enough to be discharged, still carrying many physical ailments from the beating. After his release from the Army, he went to Dr. Haskins' hidden retreat. His former football coach introduced him to the retired professor from USC and showed him the hideaway deep in the Calico Mountains. Soon, an ancient Cheyenne Indian, David Red Eagle, appeared to supervise Mark's recovery and proved that Mark was half Cheyenne. Red Eagle began teaching Mark the ways and the secrets of the Cheyenne dog soldiers, one of the finest fighters in the world. Together, the three men decided to form an anti-crime strike force. They would fight corruption and criminals wherever they found them. Now, Five years later, Mark has been to half the major cities in America with his crusade. He has fought against tremendous odds in Japan, Canada, Mexico, and France. It all began with a mafia don who killed Mark's fiancée. To even the score, Mark wiped out the mafia family in Los Angeles, broke up a multimillion-dollar heroin pipeline, and launched the penetrator's war chest with almost half a million in Mafia money. After that, he was on the run from the Mafia, and there was no turning back. In the next five years, his raids and exploits became news all over the nation, and dozens of police departments and the FBI were looking for him. More than a score of underworld hitmen searched for him with contracts in hand. There was only one place he could rest and be totally at ease, the stronghold. The living area was built entirely below ground, which gave excellent insulation in the summer from the desert heat and warmth in the winter. The various tunnels and vaulted rooms where the borax ore had been served as building areas. One tunnel led deep into the bowels of the hill where a flooded area provided a water supply. Limited power needs came from a diesel engine-run generator in another tunnel. All venting and air tubes were made to look as natural as possible and had clumps of ocotillo cactus planted around them to prevent accidental discovery. The stronghold could be walked across without the hiker knowing what it was. Nearby, a half-mile strip of blacktop that had been put down by an over-anxious housing tract developer as a street was the only civilized vestige left at this one-time highly advertised mountain paradise in two-acre lots. Professor Haskins had retired from USC and built his hidden retreat for his declining years. Now it served double duty. Mark had already selected his next campaign and was in the computer room of the stronghold evaluating the latest information on the new target. Professor Haskins had done his usual detailed job of backgrounding the subject and digging up all of the related material he could find. Mark made one more check on his destination, San Diego, and settled down to read again the folder labeled 
Mexican Brown Death. Chapter 1. Hit by a Pro Please, Mr. DiBartolo, say something for our audience, the TV news reporter pleaded, hurrying along after the man in the $400 suit who had just come out of the courtroom. What really went on in the grand jury room? Was anyone indicted? Do you work only for the mafia? Anthony DiBartolo had been shielded all the way down the courthouse hallway by four men who each stood over six-five and had pro-football shoulders without pads. Not even the frantic newsmen could see DiBartolo between the beefy guards. The five men stepped into an elevator, and for a moment the camera lights caught a tight-lipped image of DiBartolo.